So as I've matured, I worry less about what people think and more about what do do I want to see happen? And how can I help? And how can I leave a legacy for this person or this event or this deal? You know, how do I make that happen for them so that they enjoy what they're doing? And then maybe they leave a legacy with somebody else. And maybe they help somebody be more confident or help them reach a goal that they want to see. How do, how do we make sure they have a voice? I think I've worked too hard with my team because I tell them all the time, I want you to have a voice. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, these guys, they're so confident. They're scaring me. I love it. Welcome to Not Just Pretty Faces, the podcast that celebrates women who are killing it. I'm so excited to share the stories of brilliant, funny, and powerful women who are tapping into their skills and making tomorrow better. On this podcast, you'll learn how women just like you tackle tough choices, failure, and cultural bias in pursuit of bringing their great ideas to life. These women are the face of change, not just pretty. Hi, I'm Rena Jensen, your host and a mental fitness and resilience coach, and I help women have more success, better relationships, and less stress, which gives them more happiness in their lives. Let's get started. All right. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Not Just Pretty Faces. Today, we have my friend, Christina Kramer. Uh, she is doing so many amazing things. She is the regional manager at Community First Credit Union here in Iowa, and um, she is she was voluntold that she was going to be speaking at the next few conference, but that's not what we're talking about today. We are talking about her career and her uh, everything she has learned and everything, anything else that comes up in the conversation, because it's always interesting when we get together. So hi, Christina. How are you? Hello, my friend. I'm good. Thank you for inviting me to be um, part of your podcast. Thanks for saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think I told you that originally the format was um, like a bunch of quick fire questions and uh, we aren't doing that now. Um, we're just going to dive into you and your story and and all of the amazing things that you've experienced and the lessons that you've learned and how you got to where you are today and whatever else comes up. So you're the regional manager at Community First Credit Union. I am. Um, what did you do? Like how, take us on your journey. How did you get to where you are today? So I, um, you know, I got into banking by accident, kind of. Uh, I was in big box retail for a long time. And um, I I was married and my uh, previous husband said, I really wish you didn't have to work nights and weekends anymore. Maybe you should get a job at my bank. And I laughed because I said, I don't know how to do any of that. And he said, yeah, but I think you'd be fine. So um, we were living out on the East Coast. I said, sure, I'll take a peek at it. Um, I got hired as um, kind of like a teller supervisor. Mm-hmm. And uh, in six weeks, I was the branch manager. In six months, I was um, working with the development team uh, on another on all these other projects. And um, we got transferred down to North Carolina. And then all of a sudden, I was uh, doing more and more and more. Um, and then I got to doing so much more and got so confident that I lost 196 pounds, which was my ex-husband. Okay actually, (laughs) and uh, moved back to Iowa, where uh, my family is from, and started kind of doing the same thing, worked uh, 
as a branch manager for U.S. Bank and then um, got recruited by Community First. And I've been there. This is uh, I just celebrated my 12th anniversary. Congratulations. Thanks. You are from Iowa, right? Yes. So how did you end up on the East Coast? So um, my mom used to tease that she would never put my address in pen because I moved around a lot. I, um, when I was in school, um, I was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I went to a business school there. Um, I bartended during the weekends and some nights, and um, I was serving this guy, and I said, where are you from? And he said, what do you mean? And I thought that was kind of a weird answer. And I said, no, where, where did where did you grow up? And he said, why? <laughs> and I thought, well, you big fat jerk. Just tell me what you did. Where have you been? What's going on? And I right. said, well, where are you from? <laughs> and he said, well, I grew up um, by Chicago, but um, I've lived all over the United States. And for a farm girl from Iowa, I thought, well, that's really intriguing. And so I said, why? Why would you do that? And he said, because I can. And I thought, I'm going to do that. I want to do that. And so after I finished school, I moved around and I've, I've had the opportunity to live all over the United States. Um, I moved 26 times before I was 30. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And um, I've, I've lived in Missouri and Wisconsin and North Carolina and Virginia and Oregon. And, um, you know, I've gotten to spend time in a lot of cool places. And I always blame the guy in the bar because he said he could do it. And I just assumed that, well, if this knucklehead can do it, then I absolutely can. Right. And, yep. and so you did. And so I did. And I probably would still be doing that. Uh, my mom uh, and dad, uh, my dad was having some health issues. My mom called and said, we'd really love it if you lived um, closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was living on the East Coast. And um, I said, okay. And I said, you know, I just really, I don't want to be in the winter. That's not my thing anymore. Yeah. And my mom, no lie, said, it never snows like it used to. It never snows like you remember. And I moved back the winter of 2006. And in 2007, it was disastrous. It was like the third most snowfall in in history of Cedar Rapids. Oh, and by the way, then we had the flood. So I was just like, I don't think this was a good idea. Um, But I stayed. (laughs) What what a winter to come back to. That was a hellish winter. I was here for that. Yes. And, And I know they felt bad because they kept giving me things like, here's a huge snowblower. Here is a new, you know, we will help you. And I was just like, okay, this is freaking terrible. That's and it's exactly like I remember, Pia. Or worse. Or worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So back to your, back to your banking experience. The, so I want to make sure I understand correctly. You started working at the bank that your ex-husband worked at. So he just banked there. Oh, he banked there. Oh, yeah. okay. he didn't work there. Oh, no. well, then that makes my next question not relevant. My next question was going to be, does that mean you were his boss in six weeks? And that would have been a fantastic <laughs> <No>. answer. <laughs> and that would have probably been the case, but no, he didn't work there. Oh, okay. All right. Well, all right. That's good to know. So you liked banking. What What do you think is the um, biggest lesson or the, the most transformative part of your experience in, in any 
role that you've held? You know, I think the biggest thing that I've realized over the years is there isn't anything that I can't accomplish if I don't just decide I'm going to do that. And that's been, um, it's been great for me. It's been great for the people that I work with and, and hang out with because we are constantly on that journey of how do we figure this out? This can't be the only way to do it. We need to try a different thing. And so uh, for me personally, I didn't really have any knowledge of any banking systems and I probably didn't even balance my checkbook and you know, I didn't do any of that stuff. And to get to a position where I am now, where that's all second nature to me, it, it feels like I've gotten this huge opportunity to educate other people on things that maybe they don't know anything about. And in my current role, I really get to help change people's lives because they want to buy their first house. They want to buy a car and they want to do these things. And we actually can get them to that position so they can do that. Mm-hmm. Do you have a lot of uh, customer facing interactions? Not as much as before. I'm uh, in my role currently, I work with the branch managers. I have a region of six branches. Um, I'm kind of spread out. I've got um, the Cedar Rapids, Washington, Mount Pleasant, Fairfield, Grinnell, and Pella. So uh, I'm on the road a little bit. You are. I'm yeah. like your 380 girl. <laughs> right. And for those that don't know, that's not, it's like a, almost a two-hour drive to some of the farthest places, yeah. just one way. Just one not, way, yeah. It's not like we're just in a, in, a, in a cute little corridor and it takes 20 minutes to get somewhere in Iowa. It's not the case. It's actually pretty spread out. <laughs> yes, it's, a, it's four hours driving and then six to eight-hour day. So a lot of those days get pretty long. One of the things that I love about you is your... Um, drive or desire or um there there is this is twofold to help support the women in your life in any capacity whether they are uh, part of your team or your friends or um just people that you have met along the way the other part of that is that you have this perfect no bullshit i'm going to tell you like it is straight up way about you that is also loving and <laughs> funny. <laughs> Have you well, been like that your whole life? Yes. Um, you know, I think when I was younger, um, I always wanted people to like me. Mm-hmm. And so I found I dealt with um, serious issues with a lot of humor. Um, I grew up with a lot of humor in our household. Um, and I felt that was just the best way to engage people and sometimes diffuse things that maybe got really serious. Um, but, you know, part of my favorite things to do is to work with, uh, with women who are either my friends or strangers sometimes, uh, or, um, you know, acquaintances, neighbors, family, Uh, When they're trying to achieve a goal or trying to do something, I want them to find that courage to be uh, curious and um, confident. And I want to try and figure out ways to help them find that within themselves. And, you know, sometimes it's just a hand up and sometimes it's a drag pulling somebody along to say, I absolutely believe you can do this. Just fucking do it. (laughs) 
believe me. <laughs> yes. So um, I, I think because of that, I, and you know, I've gotten older, right? So as I've matured, I worry less about what people think and more about what do, what do I want to see happen and how can I help and how can I leave a legacy for this person or this event or this deal? You know, how do I make that happen for them so that they enjoy what they're doing? And then maybe they leave a legacy with somebody else and maybe they help somebody be more confident or help them reach a goal that they want to see. How do, how do we make sure they have a voice? Um, I think I've worked too hard with my team because I tell them all the time, I want you to have a voice. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, these guys, they're so confident. They're scaring me. I love it. One of the things I think is super important is to be really transparent. And I, I believe that being transparent is being the same person you are, whether you're at home with your family or you're in the boardroom, uh, because it gives you um, kind of that ability to be true to who you are. Uh, I know my boss sometimes just rolls his eyes and goes, oh my God, (laughs) what is going on with her? But I know that my managers have told me before how they appreciate just that straight talk. You know, it's no BS, no, um, you know, there's nothing sugarcoated about it. It's like, here's the deal, you know, let's, let's fix this. Yeah. We need to, we need to move on. So you you said there's a couple of things there that I want to come back to one of them is that as you're now older, you don't have, you don't care as much about what other people think. And that's a real struggle for so many people, especially women. Um, that, and the other one is, oh crap, I just lost it. Um, okay. Well, let's talk about how you got to not caring about what other people think. <laughs> It'll come back up. Um, you know what? I think the biggest thing, and this makes me laugh all the time, because when I was really young, I was very insecure about a lot of things. And uh, my dad would just say, well, fuck them, you know, who cares? Yeah. And I'd be like, well, you don't have to be in school with me. This is terrible. Um, but um, I do know it's, it is a fact that if you tell your daughter who's five years old that, hey, you don't need to take any shit off anybody. Sure, as, as you can bet, they're going to go to school and say, I, my dad says I don't have to take any shit off anybody. Right. So you have to be careful a little bit with that. But um, as I've gotten older, I realize that people are going to judge me anyway. Right. They're going to make a decision about who they think I am and, um, you know, what they need from me. And if if it's not what they need or they're going to judge me and decide that that's not the person they want to be with, I can't do anything about that. So me changing who I am for those people. It's just a waste of time. So, so haters going to hate, right? Right. <laughs> and I laugh about that, but it's true. Uh, if I put my time and energy into pleasing all people, I'm not going to be good for the people who really deserve my energy, who really deserve the things that I can help them with. So I, as I've gotten older, that's just kind of been my mantra is, you know, I'm not for everybody. Yeah. I know that. And, and when I do my, um, my stuff for the conference, it's about being too much. And there, I am way too much for some people. Um, <laughs> but for others, they love that. So those are my people. And those are the people I choose to spend my time and energy and, and help them and, and do what I can to be around them. Yeah. I, um, and, and that's, that's one of the reasons why you were voluntold to talk at the, 
at the conference because this is this is what we need because the conference name is unapologetically you and if there's i cannot think of a, a more perfect conversation to have than who gives a fuck what other people think right and um here's how you go about actually living that kind of life and um i, I again like i know the story that you're going to tell at the conference and i really want to ask you about it but also i want to save it for the other podcast um but there you've had experiences in your life that have really cemented this idea that you don't have to worry about what other people think or say or do or whether or not you like them or whether or not you're too much i wish that more women had had that same kind of experience or a similar experience so that they could really find themselves in everything that they do as well so again this is why you're one of my favorite humans because you are just, you're most definitely not too much for me. <laughs> well, I love that because you're not too much for me either. Okay. Um, you know, one thing I, I try and tell, especially new leaders and people that are stepping into these um, newer leader positions where, where they really have to take a group of people, make sure they're all on the same bus and make sure they're all going to the same place. Um, but you don't have to change who you are to be a leader. And it, and and if you're really worried about what other people think, you should start first with what do you think about you? And that's a key piece that I think a lot of people miss. I think there's some hardcore people out there that are saying, I don't give a shit what anybody thinks of me. I'm just me. But then they don't like themselves. Right. And who they are. And so they project this weird vibe out that, hey, I'm tough and I'm I'm all this stuff, but I'm scared and I don't like who I am. And and it's confusing for people. And yeah, it's because people can see through that. Right. And so it's figuring out who you are first. What's important to you? Is your family important to you? All right, spend more time with your family. Is mm-hmm. is being thin important to you? Okay, well then work out. Don't just bitch about it. If that's totally going to be your thing, you have to do something about it. Um, you know, is is being educated super important to you? Okay, well then go back to school. It's all those things that you have to take the reins and make those decisions about, and then stop being worried about what people think about it because you're doing what you need to do for you. Right. There was um, I was meditating the other day right before a client session and always, I always get given to me the thing that needs to be said with in whatever context. And the thing that popped into my head that particular morning was act as if. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a great conversation that I had with my client that day, but the whole purpose of it is to see who you want to be and then act as if you are that person. There, some people will call it fake it till you make it, but I, I, I like the term act as if, because we, there, what's the other term? Um, dress for the role, role you want, role sure. you have. but there's some, um, idea behind that. You're still trying to please other people, but if you act as if the person you want to be, who you are, you believe you currently are not, then the only, that's, the words are not coming to me as, as, <laughs> as they, did when I was talking about this with my client. Um, it is the easiest way for you to attain and become the person you truly want to be as if you, if you are acting as if you are that person already. And um, you, 
I believe, act as if, I don't even think that you're acting. You just are <laughs> as if. <laughs> and I think that that is such a great, especially in, that was the other thing I wanted to ask you earlier. Um, being a female in such a male dominated industry, has that, and, and for so long, has that impacted or impeded you in any way or affected you in some way that you didn't expect? Um, I think it did when I was younger because I didn't, um, I didn't understand that they would think I was intimidating if I was strong. And, and when I was intimidating, they really lashed out at me. And I was always surprised at that. And then it was, um, and you know, a lot of that's fear, whatever. Um, But when I truly embraced that, sometimes I'm going to have the biggest stick in the room. You know, when I embrace that and that's me and you know what, they're just going to have to deal with it. And if it was another guy in there, they'd have to deal with it. I I just, at, at some point, and I think it really happened when I really started to have less fear, feel more confident. And really lived authentically and transparently as who I am. I mean, this is it. This is what you get. I laugh all the time because I feel like my um, uh, one of my management team people. I think I think every time I talk to him, he just gets his rosary out because I think he's just like, oh my god, save her, somebody save her. Um, but in real life, I don't put on any airs to be somebody I'm not. And, you know, you can either appreciate that about me or you can just say, I don't like her. And if you don't like me, that's fine. I don't need you to like me. What I need you to do is just respect the fact that this is who I am and I'm not going to change to fit your mold. I think there was something once I saw, I laughed, I sent it to my friend, Melissa. It said, I'm not going to break myself down into little pieces so you can digest me. You can fucking choke. <laughs> I think I've seen something like that too, and right? I love it. It's so true. It's so true. It's like I don't understand why you're worried about what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And but you know, I would go back to the fact that there is a lot of fear. Fear I'm going to lose my job. Fear, you know, I'm going to say the wrong thing to the wrong person. Fear somebody's going to be upset with me, and I'm going to hurt their feelings. Which you know, when those things happen and you hurt someone's feelings, you just, just apologize. And if you're always living authentically who you are, they're going to know you didn't mean it. it and, and I think a lot of people miss the mark on that. They think I fucked up so bad. There's no coming back from it or, or, um, there's just no way this person is ever going to like me. So it doesn't matter. And they can fuck off. And that's not the case. It's not the stance that anybody would really advocate for another person to do. And, um, like, you're just so refreshing. <laughs> I don't think in all of our friendship years, I don't think I've ever given you so many compliments in, in a I know, I'm going to stay on this podcast forever. <laughs> you know, I was, I was nervous about doing the podcast because I've never done one, but I've been really challenging myself to do things I, I'm not exactly comfortable with. I mean, I, you know, what do, what did we say? I am, uh, you know, I do things until I, I'm comfortable with them. You know, we, I think you guys were talking about with your psyche, the fears, you know, conquering your fears. I'm that person who just beats it until yeah. I'm not scared of it anymore. And uh, so when, when you said, I would like you to do a podcast in my head, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> no. Uh, but out of my mouth said, sure. Did you see that? I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's just about being, you know, 
it fits right in line with the things that I like to do. And, you know, I love you. So it was, it was an easy yes. Even though in my head, I was like, fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and not only are you doing this podcast, you're doing the UCAST when you get again, Zerika. What do you call that when you beat yourself until you can? (laughs) We can can balance that and just bypass that exposure therapy if you like. I love exposure therapy. (laughs) You know, I, I think I told you like I used to be terrified of car washes, which is so dumb. And I could not. I could not tolerate them, but, you know, I just kept going and getting a car wash until I was like, this is dumb. I shouldn't even be afraid of this. And then my mom said, well, we did get stuck inside that car wash when you were a child. And I'm like, okay, well, that would have been great information to have. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't know what drives our fears. It's memories that we don't even, that are just sitting in our subconscious that we cannot access and you would never have access that. (laughs) No. And, and now I'm not afraid of them. And now you're not afraid of them. Yes, that's which is fantastic. <laughs> so so you um, hate winter, and yet you're here in Iowa. But you are going to Costa Rica for two weeks. Do I you, am. When you retire, are you going to um, uh, winter somewhere? Are you going to be a snow? Yes. I'm not even going to let you finish that sentence because yes. Um, so here's the thing that I love about Iowa, and that is. Our springs, our falls, our summers are wonderful. And there are really some beautiful winter days where the sun is shining. It's cold, you know, but the sun is out. Uh, the thing that I hate is the because I drive for a living, uh, the driving in the winter. Oh, God. Are you? I panic the night before because I'm like, oh, I got to drive. Now, the cool part is, in my, in my job currently, because now I'm older and I know how to do my job better. And God love technology because now I can zoom over and, and chat with people all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go out as much. And so now winter is totally tolerable. <laughs> I just hate when it ruins my plans. Right. We had a, a snow, a lot of snow here today. First it was rain. Now it's snow. Did you have to leave your house today? Or are you, are you working from home? I'm actually working from home today, but when I work from home, my husband thinks that I am hired labor to move the snow. So uh, I did go out and do my part to uh, shovel some of it. And it was heavy, crazy heavy today. Yeah. Yeah. For those that don't live in Iowa, we get wet and heavy snow sometimes in addition to the beautiful snow. Um, I'm sure that's across the northern half of the United States everywhere, but... (laughs) I know. Oh my God. So, okay. In addition to, um, I, I forgot to bring this up at the beginning of the podcast. In addition to you being a regional manager for a credit union, you also own your own business. I do. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Um, so I own a campground, a private, uh, campground, um, and I own it for the best possible reason. Um, my parents are campers. My parents and some of my family and some of my family friends are campers. And about five years ago, I think, uh, the campground where they always camped kind of shut down. Uh, well, actually, they kicked a bunch of people out. I'll just be honest. And I, you know, I was like, Mom, Dad, what'd you do? And they were like, we didn't do anything. Uh, and come to find out, they did not. Uh, they just changed who they wanted as um, campers there. So some of the older folks, they just kind of said, 
yep, probably not our clientele. And they had a private campground and they can do that. So um, John and I were, um, I was pretty heavy in the tequila and I think he was in the black velvet. And I said, uh, hey, you know what I'd love to do? Can we build a campground for mom and dad? And he said, yeah. <laughs> and that worked out and that's how it started. And so we um, we started putting uh, pen to paper about what it, where we wanted it, what it should look like. We looked at a hundred campgrounds in the area. We, uh, I Pinterested, I Googled it. I, um, you know, I, I think people thought I was weird because I was driving around through these campgrounds. What do they have and how are they set up? And, um, and then we decided let's just make it kind of bougie. And so we said, we're going to keep it small. And so we built 12 full service spots that have water, sewer, electric, Wi-Fi. Um, and they can bring their camper and they pop in and they stay all summer and, uh, we just love it. And then, um, we also built a big Morton building and, um, we finished off 2,400 square feet and that was a labor of love. Um, <laughs> I send some sarcasm there. <laughs> labor of love. And you know, when you do things on this side, so it's not my real job. When you do things on the side, things take longer. And, um, you know, it's like sometimes I was yelling at uh, John's cousin who was doing our, um, some of our, uh, you know, building processes and come on, come on, you know, that wasn't his real job either. Uh, but I, everything was getting behind and I just wanted things to be done. And, um, you know, we were, we took this area that was really just kind of a riverbank and made this really spectacular spot. And, you know, the coolest part about it is since it's private, I can invite the people that I want. And I spend every weekend with my family, which is so cool. And I get a chance to like hang out with all the people that I really love. So to me, it's like the best side gig I've ever had in my life. Right. And, and it is a lot. I mean, you know, every Sunday I'm cleaning the campground. Then I go clean our house and or our place up at the river. And then I come home and clean my own house. So by Sunday night, I'm like, I have to go back to work. <laughs> right. I am exhausted. Yeah. I'm exhausted, but I love it. And I just, I've had the opportunity to do some really cool things. I've been able to um, donate float trips to the American Heart Association. And I've been able to take friends on float trips and, and have a wedding out there. It's been super cool. Yeah. Let's talk about the other things that you're doing too, because you do a lot in the community. Like, like we said at the beginning, you support anybody, women especially, but anybody that you can support, you do. So you are involved with the American Heart Association Heart Ball. Yep. You do, um, it's called, we call it ECCOG here, but it's called Eastern Iowa. East Central Iowa. Yes. Council of Governments. Yes. Governments. Yes. So I'm on the revolving loan fund and I, I've actually, this is, I did it for a, a long time for Benton County. And then, um, I now do it for Lynn County. And so this is going to be my second year for Lynn County. And it's such a cool program that I hope more business owners kind of find out about it. Um, we did it with the flood originally, um, but it's basically gap financing for business owners. So if a business owner has a, um, they've kind of utilized all the bank's money for operating costs and things like that, um, 
we can step in and do some lower interest type loans for business owners. So maybe they need to buy some equipment or maybe they need um, something for uh, an event or whatever. We we can finance those options for them and, and flexible terms. So um, I, I just feel like it's such a cool program. I don't know that people know enough about it, uh, but my friend Robin, she's awesome and she can help anybody out if they're interested. They just have to call uh, the EC Calg office in Cedar Rapids. They just have to be in one of the seven counties. And I think it's, I'm going to screw this up, but I think it's Iowa, Benton, Lynn, Washington, Jones, and then a couple other. Johnson. Um, yeah, that that is a great program, and uh, Robin is is also fantastic, very very entertaining as well, and very um, connected and supporting and doing all the things. How did you come to support or be on the um, be involved with the ECCOG? So funny story. I was at the uh, country club in Vinton, and one of the supervisors Valen told me. So I'm seeing a theme here. <laughs> He's like, you still work in banking, right? I said, I do. And he's like, I'm going to appoint you as this person. You have to be appointed. Um, I'm going to appoint you as this person for Benton County. And I said, okay. Um, And said, sure. And and truthfully, I love it because it does bring together all the things that I do love. I get a chance. What we do in the revolving loan committee is we, we listen to the pitch. It's like Shark Tank. Uh, we get to listen to the pitch and then we make a decision whether it should go to the big board and be approved. Um, you know, we basically put our stamp of approval on it and say, this is why we think we should do this. And so it is, it's like Shark Tank. Do you, how many um, business owners do you get that come through there on a, on average, maybe? maybe? I would say we get, we have a monthly call. We used to all meet in person and now we do a lot of it by Zoom, um, but we might have one candidate for every month, or we might have four. So it just kind of depends. Um, and then they do their pitch and tell us what they would utilize the money for. Um, we look at financials. We do all the things banking that I get to do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And, and then we make a recommendation. So um, I love it because it, again, it kind of encompasses both worlds for me of the banking aspect, but also that how do we support local businesses in our communities to make sure that they can continue to be successful. That's amazing. I, I didn't realize there were so few businesses that were applying. Yeah. That's why I'm, I constantly try and reach out and say, Hey, this is available. And it's, it's pretty easy process. A lot of times people will work with the, um, the SBDC, the small business development center through Kirkwood to get the application you know, get their stuff together so they have everything done. But again, Robin at uh, ECCOG is great about kind of walking people through the process. Uh, you know, here's my spiel. If you, if you have people that are business owners and they think, gosh, you know what? This sounds like me. Call Robin at ECCOG. <laughs> I think I'll be reaching out to Robin to see if she wants to have a resource table at the conference. Yeah. I think that would be a really great thing for, for everybody. Because there's, there are not enough women and most of the women that go to the conference are business owners. So yeah. there's not enough people that are applying and, and I truly do believe it's not enough people that are aware of it. Huh. Interesting. Um, okay. So a couple of closing questions. The first one is, 
Uh, what is a book you would recommend people read? So I'm really into uh, the likability trap right now. Have you read that? Okay. Uh, her name is Alicia Menendez. Um, but it's called the likability trap and it's really about all things that I think like I talk about all the time it's one of those books that's you know if you're if you're kind and reserved you're a pushover and if you're strong and confident you're a bitch Mm -hmm. so um, it's just it talks a little bit about it Uh, Alicia who wrote it is a journalist uh, and she just kind of goes through it but it's a great book I would uh, recommend that people read that. Okay, I'll take a look and I'll see if we can get that listed in the show notes as well. The other one, the other question, last question is, what is uh, something that you would share with the next generation of women? I would say that it's really important for you to be who you truly are all the time. That you, as you try and be something that you're not, you give up pieces of yourself. And it's truly important if you want to be a whole giving person and be something that can pass on your legacy to the next generation, you have to be a whole, you have to be whole. And in order to be that whole, you have to be authentic. And there are going to be people who don't like you. And there are going to be people who test you. And there are going to be people who try and use you. And that's just part of life, but you can't let it impact who you truly are. I love that so much. That is the perfect thing to end this interview on. Thank you. You're welcome. This is so fun. Let's do it again tomorrow. <laughs> Look at this and that sarcasm. <laughs> no, but we will do it again when you get back from Costa Rica for the, for the conference. And I will be Jan. You, nobody will see you except us. Oh, but. that's right. That's right. Forget yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Christina, so much for being on the, on Not Just Pretty Faces today. And everybody listening, thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you know somebody that should be a guest, please uh, reach out to us and let us know. And we will catch you on the flip side, still trying to figure out how I'm going to close my sessions. That'll work for now. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, friends. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. If you were inspired by this episode, would you do me a favor and let me know? Go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review or share this episode. This helps us spread the word and we get to continue sharing the stories that help bring your own ideas to life. Until next time.